0: Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hi, I'm your host, Misty Little. This is season four, episode 17. How's your spring going? Mine feels a little cooler than normal, but we've had a few days that have crept close to 90 degrees and they were a preview of what it will be feeling like a month from now here in Texas. In the garden, I'm planting out seedlings that I sowed on the potting bench into the flower garden and I've also had my hands full with monarch caterpillars the last few weeks. I'm not raising them in a tent this season, but I do have them clustered into a particular area in the garden, so I've been able to keep a close eye on them. They kind of ate through my tropical milkweed very quickly. I didn't have much to begin with, so I've been giving them green milkweed, Asclepias viridis, from an empty lot a few streets over. That's kept them sated until they went into pupa, which about 20 of them have done so far. I've had to relocate a few that pupated on some questionable spaces, like the lip of a trash can, but with three of them. <laughs> one on the leaf of a herbaceous plant, kind of next to our patio where it could easily have been stepped on. Not sure what it was thinking, and one that fell from its location on the leaf of a beautyberry during some high winds over this weekend. The rest I'm keeping my eyes on over the coming weeks, and I've still got about 20 or so left that are feasting on the milkweed, and a few will be pupating soon. All right, today's guest and subject is one that I actually haven't had many guests talk about, uh, in particular, this more specific niche of this subject, composting. Today's guest is Kate Hasaldo with Compost Queens, a family-owned urban composting company. Kate and her mother, Betsy Gruy, started Compost Queens just a few years ago in San Antonio after being inspired by another urban composting company. In an effort to reduce kitchen waste, Compost Queens works with the community from single family residents to small restaurants to provide access for composting their food waste through the Bokashi method of composting, which means pretty much all of their food waste is able to be composted through this method, including meat waste, which is something that's not advocated throwing into your typical composting bin. The business is rapidly growing, providing small local farms with food waste that gets turned into compost, including Talking Tree Farm, which you can hear on episode 316. Kate and I have a great conversation about how Compost Queens works, details into what Bokashi composting is, and where she would like to see Compost Queens evolve in the coming years for San Antonio. It's kind of inspired me to do more research into my own Bokashi composting at home to tackle the inevitable food waste that we have at the end of each week. I'm sure you can probably relate. The podcast season is beginning to wind down. I've got about three or four more episodes before I hit hiatus for the summer. I hope you guys have enjoyed the season so far and I'll be re-releasing some episodes from seasons one through three this summer in an effort to get more ears on some episodes that may not have been heard earlier on during the podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes. You can email me at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com and I'm on Instagram at thegardenpathpodcast where I've recently shared several posts about the monarch caterpillars, including one that was just finishing pupating, which is really pretty cool to see. All right, now on to the episode. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's so nice out. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a little chilly, I think. Yeah. It's, where are you? Are you in Houston? Yeah, northwest of Houston. Okay. um, In the burbs. Okay. Okay cool
1: yeah it's supposed to get like cold here this weekend again it's kind of crazy like 40 or something
0: oh no (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like summer winter summer. yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) awesome um well yeah thanks for uh, wanting to come on the podcast I've had you flagged as uh, someone of interest for like a year now so I'm glad I finally asked you to come on so yeah I'm excited yeah uh, maybe I don't know if you uh, want to start by introducing yourself who you are and a little bit about Compost Queens and how it got started
1: uh, yeah so I'm Kate Haseldo and I started Compost Queens with my mom Betsy Gruy and uh, my professional background is I was a special education teacher and then a social worker mostly in public schools and my mom is an avid gardener composter and kind of lifelong entrepreneur, always. She's an artist. She's done a a million things over the years. So a few years ago, two and a half, three years ago, she, I guess, saw this documentary um, about a business in Brooklyn doing basically what we do. And she thought, you know, I could do that. We could do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she uh, came to me. I was sort of at a point where I was – not wanting to really stay where I was, I was a little burnt out. I was just, you know, there wasn't a lot of like growth for me at that point, so um, I decided to take the leap with her, and we started. So, in in a nutshell, what we do is residential and commercial curbside composting. So we pick up food waste from households, small businesses, small restaurants, and take it um, to be processed with local farmers. So that's sort of the summary of it. But it's – we have a lot of moving parts beyond that, and it's taken, you know, as I'm sure you can guess, a lot to sort of get to where we are. And we still have a long way to go. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. So we started – she probably came to me with the idea in, like, the fall of 2016. And the method we use is sort of different. It's called Bokashi – Um, So it was something we had to experiment with ourselves before, like, launching it with, you know, as a business. So we did it at home, and then we worked with, um, like, put it out to some friends and neighbors to try, you know, to see if they, like, liked the service or whatever. And then in March of 2017, I guess, is when we, like, went live on Facebook and then put up a website and stuff like that and put it out to the general public. So. Um, I guess we just hit two years. <laughs> yeah.
0: So what kind of, she, you say she watched this documentary. What kind of research did she do beforehand? Did she reach out to the people in the documentary? Um, or did she kind of just wing it? Like, how did that happen?
1: So she um, reached out to the woman in the documentary. I think she talked to her a little bit. But we just started doing a ton of research looking at um, businesses. There was one in Austin called Compass Peddlers. They were really, they were doing oh, yeah. it on a they were doing it on bikes, um, which is San Antonio is not conducive to that at all. There is a company in, I think, Phoenix or Tucson that we looked at. Um, we, it just sort of happened that this type of business sort of has started to take off in the past, I'd say, like five, three to five years. So there were a few models out there that we just looked at and, you know, kind of talked about how San Antonio works you know, within those ideas. Um, It was definitely trial and error for sure. Um, We are not, neither one of us are like business people. I mean, she has started businesses, but she's the creative and ideas. Um, So yeah, so it was, we kind of winged it a a lot, (laughs) I would say. (laughs) Yeah, from having to like figure out You know, once we started to collect the food waste, like, okay, we have to process this. Like, we've got to get land. How's that going to work? And then just, you know, compost is controversial. People hear about it and they, you know, think about gross smells and bugs and just, you know, nasty stuff. So that was sort of a barrier we had to, you know, we worked with one friend on a, like, private lot for a while. But there were some issues with the neighbor's. So that's when we, you know, figured out we had to talk to like local farmers and community gardens and people like that to take it and process it. Okay. Yeah. Yes.
0: So maybe elaborate about that. So you, you start the business, you have your friends and neighbors kind of test things out. Where did you go from there testing out on someone's lot to did you end up buying land and how did you source all the, um, the people who are going to be taking this compost?
1: Uh, So I I guess we started very early on with a local organization, Green Spaces Alliance, that is um, sort of manage a community network of community gardens. So we worked with them, and we started doing a lot of workshops because we had to do education, of course, first of all. And through that and working with the community gardens, we were able to do more, like, showing how it actually worked to process it. So then when we went to um, farmers, we could, you know, kind of show them, this is how it could work. Um, we met up with, uh, Silva from Talking Tree Farm, who I think Mm -hmm. we had on the show a while back. Um, and I'm really trying to remember how, I think we did a composting workshop with him and then that just sort of started our partnership where he was willing to experiment with the Bokashi food waste. Um, and there was another farmer we worked with early on. His farm's not really running at the moment, but he, he was taking it um, and feeding it to his chickens and goats. And he was working with black soldier flies because they'll process any food waste and they do it pretty fast. So we really were experimenting with different ways to process it with growing volume you know? Right. Right. Um. So it was, we were with Cohen at Veged Out Farms with the Black Soldier Flies. And then we had more volume than he was really able to manage at that point. So Silva was interested. So we started taking some to him. And then we work with another local nonprofit, Eco Centro, and they're partnered with the local community college, but they're really just an environmental nonprofit that ha- does workshops from you know, green energy to gardening and composting and everything in between. And so we started working with them and built like a soil box at their garden. So so we could experiment with other ways people were processing Bokashi specifically that we had read about. So they've got, they have a soil box, so we, they've got some compost working there. And then, Our next step is we're going to do a partnership with them and this local housing authority to do a big urban farm, where we're going to have a larger space to process and have more like bulk finished product. Right. So. Okay. Okay. So
0: back up a little bit. Now, do you need need permits for any of this kind of thing? Collecting food waste, and I mean, is it considered? I don't think it's not considered hazardous material, but. I mean, yeah, with the city or the county, or anybody have any issues with all this? Right. So
1: we, the city,
0: um, we did not end up having to do anything with the
1: city. And because it's basically, we're recycling organic waste. So it's not a hazardous material. And it's it's honestly, I think, maybe a little bit of a loophole in the code. But because we're recycling it, we're not landfilling it or anything like that, they're fine with us you know really transporting it is where they get concerned you know okay. so they're um and, and if we had a much larger vehicle we would have to be permitted for a certain size vehicle so we may still have to get there with the city but that's sort of the, their main concern okay and then when we were looking at land we talked to the TCEQ the environmental quality mm-hmm. you know agency commission and because we didn't have our own land where we were processing. They're not too concerned. I mean, when when we bought land, their main concerns are flammability. So if we had big hot compost piles that could yeah. catch on fire,
0: right. we have
1: to have a plan to put that fire out, get, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're not doing anything nearly that big. So we're sort of, you know, under... They're not too concerned because we're not doing anything really flammable. And then the other concern for them is if there's stormwater runoff. Right. Um, but we're collecting all the I mean, we're doing that in farms and collecting the water. So really, we're sort of in this gray area where nobody's too concerned. I mean, if we're going to sell finished soil, we're going to have to get it tested. You know, okay. things right. like that. But the the permits and things like that you're,
0: you're kind of in a new area, so you're, yeah. you're probably setting the, setting everything up for how it could go and be regulated later. So whatever you're doing now is going to come back yes.
1: to Yes. Yeah. Right. So we are trying to be very, you know, cognizant of what we're doing. We don't want to make any mad, buddy mat or do anything, you know, that's yeah. going to set off alarm bells or whatever. Right. So, right. um, yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: So that's, that seems pretty easy on that end then. Um, so I guess now, I mean, you have a couple people that you're always taking as compost. How did you convince people to like, did you go to restaurants and convince them, Hey, we want your food waste. And how did you convince people to, you know, want to save their own food waste at their house? How did that happen?
1: So San Antonio is interesting because we've had an, uh, the city of San Antonio has had an organics collection program for a few years now. But it's not everywhere in San Antonio. Um, But people, the idea is already there. People already kind of, the idea is planted about, you know, composting their food waste. Although it wasn't, it was mostly like yard waste that they were getting. Yeah. So um, for sure for residents, it was education, workshops, you know, explaining what actually happens when your food waste goes to the landfill. You know, it's not just turning into dirt or whatever. Yeah, right. and then we do like residents get a free trial, two week free trial to try our service. And it's pretty easy and like there's no bugs or anything. So people just like it. And then with the restaurants, our first restaurant really came to us. It was a this local chef who started a very like she's very she's into making dishes with, you know, the parts of food you wouldn't typically cook with. And she's very concerned about food waste and things like that. So she had been collecting their food waste and working with a local garden to take it. And I, they outgrew the volume. And so she kind of came to us looking for it, which was really exciting. Um, but and it's really been the restaurants have been the slowest growing part of the business. But it's really been chefs and owners that sort of already have that as part of their belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, that when they find out what we're doing, you know, they're on board with it. We've done some marketing and outreach to restaurants, but it's a, a whole lot of time um, that it, it takes sometimes six months from starting to talk to them to get them on board and, you know,
0: it's a why process. they should to do
1: it. Yeah, it's a process. Um, so we're, we've learned to be, you know, not put all our eggs in the commercial basket, so to speak. And right. we're really are with apartment complexes because they don't have access to that organics collection I talked about. That's a really quickly growing part of our business that we're trying to figure out maybe how to work with like a, apartment complexes to provide it for
0: all of their, um, residents and things like that. Right. Okay. So is... I know you have a fee for people who are composting at home and um, I think it's like $20 a bucket for the month. Is that what it was?
1: So we have different tiers. So you
0: get, everybody gets two five gallon buckets and then
1: you can either get it picked up twice a month for $25, once a month for 20. And then we have some drop off sites around town for a little cheaper where people can take their buckets and switch them out for clean ones.
0: Okay, so people are, that's one in, income stream right there. Now, mm-hmm. are people paying to receive the compost?
1: So right now, the bulk of it is going to our farm partners, and they're using it in their farms. Okay. If you're a client, a residential client of ours for six months, you'll, then you'll start to get back a couple buckets a couple times a year. Once we start with that farm on the east side, we're hoping to have a lot more finished bulk product that we'll be able to sell to the community. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to figure out piece the parts of where because it seemed like if if all these farms are just accepting all the compost, like that was a missing component of of, yeah. of income. So
1: yeah, I mean, it's it, it, to this point uh, the farms have saved us having to actually purchase land. So it's been. Yeah you know, a good deal like a, for us. Right. A benefit. Right. Yeah. But we're hitting that point where, um, we're, we're really outgrowing some of our farm partners and I mean, they'll continue to get it, but we need another place and we would like to be able to offer finished product, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So maybe on that end, let's talk about the finished product. What components do you, goes into the testing and Um, I'm sure you've already kind of thinking ahead, like, you know, bagging things or putting it in the buckets. How are you providing that to people or will you provide that to people?
1: So the our residential clients that get it back now, they get it in a bucket um, because that's kind of just what we use everything for. When it comes to selling it more just to the general community, we're really trying to look at um, sustainable packaging options. So one thing we're looking at is the the one of the coffee roasters we work with getting some of their bags, the burlap coffee bags Mm, and using mm -hmm. those because those can, those compost themselves over time, you know? So um, that's kind of what we're looking at the most right now. We'd, we'd also are, you know, kind of looking at like going to um, farmers and feed stores and like repurposing feed sacks and things like that. But we really, We really want to be repurposing as much as possible. Even the buckets we use, we get from someone locally who's recycling them from another purpose. So
0: we're trying not to have much of anything, you know, brand new. Yeah. And what about the the testing component? What do you have to do to, I guess, make sure it's safe for use?
1: Um, So to sell, I mean, we've really monitoring what we're putting in it, using it ourselves. We have not been testing much, the stuff, except for the balance of what they have, it's the stuff we've been getting back, that we mm-hmm. have sent a sample off to um, the lab at uh, Texas A&M, I okay. believe it is, to get our first like big sample. Cause we're really just at the point of getting our first like major sample back.
0: Okay, okay, so you're, yeah. just, you're at the beginning stages then? Yes. All right. All yes. right. Wow, so you've you've done a lot in two or three years, though. <laughs> yeah, it has been. It's it's been a whirlwind, <laughs>
1: um, and really learning, you know, marketing and um, just all the parts to running a business that you know, yeah, I had right. not ever done before.
0: <laughs> right, right. It's got to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about. Isi, uses use the Bokashi method, and I know a little bit about that in regards to like somewhat of a home gardener aspect. I've never done it myself, but I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't know what that is. And because you say you're taking all the food waste, uh, yes. most people know that you don't put meat in, in right. your compost. So um, talk about that aspect and how it works. So
1: Bokashi is a Japanese fermentation method. So we, what we use is coffee chaff, which is a byproduct of roasting coffee beans. And we get that from a local roaster, but you can, we started off using wheat brand that we ordered. Um, you can use a lot of different things. Some companies use spent grains from breweries, but you, so you get this material and you um, inoculate it with these effective microorganisms that you can make, th- make it yourself or they sell online the inoculant. And so it goes through a, a multi-step process of fermentation. And then when you add the flakes to your food waste in an anaerobic container, in our case, like five-gallon buckets or barrels, um, it ferments the food waste. So you can put all your solid food waste in it. You can't put cooking grease or too much liquid because that can throw off the balance. But it, the the microbes in there are eating the pathogens, the petroleum-based Products like pesticides, things like that. So it's preserving all of the nutrients of the food. So when you look in the bucket over time, you know, over a couple of weeks, it's not going to really look that different. It's not like rotting or decaying like you might expect. Um, It might be getting a white mold on it, like a yeast, which is just those microbes doing their thing. Um, And then, so we pick up those buckets once they're full and it's you're not getting bugs in there, it smells like fermented basically. Um, so, we pick them up, they need to set aside for a couple weeks. Although, with our residential clients, you know, they've already been sort of like you know, fermenting for a while. And then, once the food once the bokashi waste has fermented, you can do a couple of things with it. You can put it in a trench in the yard and cover it with soil, and it'll break down in a matter of weeks, almost everything will be broken down except for, you know, bones and citrus peels that just stick around longer. Um, But it'll break down almost everything. It's really kind of incredible. And then you can plant there (laughs) in, in that matter of weeks. Um, What we do at Talking Tree Farm is he gets a load of tree clippings from a local arborist. Mm-hmm. and he's just – we're layering them in small piles, and so okay. that's turning into really awesome mulch. So those – those um, the tree branches and whatnot are, like, helping cook that, you know, food waste right. really quickly. And so then he's using that in his beds as top dressing and mulch and things like that. Okay. Um, and then you could add a bucket to your, your backyard compost pile. You want to cover it up a little bit because you could get – you know – Rodents don't like fermented food waste too much, but they'll get curious at first, you know, and come check yeah. it out. So if you cover right. it up pretty well with
0: soil, you shouldn't get too many,
1: like, disturbances or whatnot.
0: Yeah, so um, I was going to say, is if I was doing this at home for myself, you know, I have a regular compost pile. And then, now do you have to layer in your bucket greens and things like that? Or can it just be, you know, the meats, the Potatoes or the the noodles and stuff that have oil and grease on them, and or do you have to and and then obviously the fermented um, inoculant. I'm just I, I'm just curious about this method because it's so fascinating to me. Um, no,
1: you know, it's how really I can do this
0: for myself.
1: It I mean, in those months when we were trying it out before we started, I mean, it was like a science experiment for me. Every time I opened the bucket, I was like, "What is it going to look like? What is it going to smell like?" I mean, it was, you know. kind of scary at first, (laughs) but, and we had to experiment, like, we had to find the right lid that really was airtight, because if the lid's not airtight, like, you can get some, like, maggots in there, and, you know, the first bucket, like, I got some maggots, but then after, like, a couple days, they stopped, like, they died, because it was, the environment was not beneficial for them, Um, but it really, you know, I, if I'm throwing meat in, I'll put a little more of the flakes than if I was just throwing vegetable clippings, Okay. Um, but we really, like, I have a little countertop bucket with a lid, and I fill that out, you know, as we're cooking and chopping veggies. And when that's full, we go through our fridge. Anything that's, you know, yeah. got past the point of no <laughs> return, like, it all goes in the bucket. We throw in a handful of flakes, close it up, and that's it. I mean, okay. it's really that easy. It's kind of kind crazy. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> I mean, man, it's just imagine, I mean if this is yeah. what everybody was doing, how much, you know, food waste would we be just turning into mm-hmm. soil and beneficial. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, something we've been talking about recently is just, we have a lot of food waste that I think we think we are better than we are. But when we yeah. look at the end of the week, you see, you're like, Oh, we really did not eat this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And we hear, we get a lot of feedback from our clients, like a, because they have it in a bucket in one container then they're seeing how much they're wasting, and then they're changing habits right. you know to address it, and they're they don't have to take the trash out as much and you yeah. know, and here in San Antonio, you can downsize your trash can significantly and save some money. you know yeah. the city's trying to get you to throw less away so right. um, yeah, I think there's a lot of sort of side benefits. Um, And then, you know, we have a lot of families as clients and getting kids involved in it. That's just
0: a whole generation that yeah
1: will now go forward to understanding like
0: this is just what we need to do. Right. Yeah. No, the compost we've been to, you know, our family's places, Um, my mom composts, but my mother-in-law doesn't. And, you know, at her house and he's done with, you know, something green that he just ate and he's like, where can I throw this out at? And (laughs) I'm like, There's no compost here, buddy, sorry. (laughs) So he's used to that already. And um, yeah, it's just a matter of educating the younger generation, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanna backtrack just a little bit about, um, you are talking about using a truck and picking up all of your, um, all of these buckets. I guess, can you talk about like what a typical day or week is like um, and how many, you know, pickups are you doing and drop-offs and that sort of thing?
1: Um, sure. So our, we've, we've got our residential pickups are pretty much Wednesdays and Thursdays. It varies by week because we have, you know, the bi-weekly and monthly. So, you know, this week I have two pickups tomorrow, but next Thursday I've got 14 because of, you know, just the way the routes are built out. So um, between my mom and I, we are Splitting the residential routes um, and the she's doing a lot of the commercial rights routes right now. That's where we're looking to probably have to hire somebody soon. But we're we're really just doing the pickups probably three days a week at this point, and the residential ones we're doing in our cars. So those are like okay. smaller, you know. Um, I've got a little Honda Fit that fits a surprising amount of buckets <laughs> in it. <laughs> So, yeah, that's two to three days a week. We're out doing pickups. And then, you know, one of those days we'll take a load out to the farm. We are washing buckets. Let I me mean, let me try to think of all the things that we're doing. Um, so I am mostly, like, I do marketing outreach. I'm out there talking, you know, I'm interacting with commercial clients that reach out to us. Also trying to just, like, develop some systems for the business because it Mm -hmm. is such a, you know, sort of organic thing. It's constantly changing. And, like, right now I'm actually beta testing this software that's being built for community composters um, that some group out in Atlanta is trying to develop. So there's a lot of playing with technology right now and just, you know, figuring out smarter ways to do things we're we're doing workshops. So my mom does a lot of the school workshops on Saturdays. We're at a local farmers market, but we're kind of hitting the season where we're also like this weekend. I'm doing part of a water saver Saturday where San Antonio Water System is hosting all these workshops and things. Um, and so we're going to do one. Silva and I are going to do one on composting and permaculture. Okay so a lot of things like that. Um, it's really, every day is wildly different, um, except for the set pickups and deliveries. So I'm like, right now I'm at a co-working space that I'm a member of and just, you know, doing this and updating the website and, you know, keeping
0: up (laughs) with clients and, um, all, all of that. So, okay. So it's just, it's still just you and your mom then?
1: Uh, we have a friend that's helping us with bookkeeping part time, and then yeah, otherwise that's it. It's, it's wow, us. yeah. You guys have really done a lot for two people. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, we've had a lot. It's we've had a lot of support. You know, from I've got friends that have helped us build. You know, helped us build the website and figure out some marketing and things like that. But yeah, it's
0: looking back on what we've done, it's kind of mind blowing, <laughs> right. So I guess what are your goals other than, you know, getting this kind of urban farm, community farm thing going? Um, what are your goals like, you know, in the next five or ten years? Do you want to have, you know, maybe a branch on the south side of town or north side of town? Kind of being able to get the whole area of San Antonio?
1: Yeah, we would love to see hubs all over the city. Of So, you know, I'm not driving to the northwest side of town and taking it to the farm on the southeast side of town. Right. You know, it's, it's happening there in the community. And we're, we're really kind of, we're learning about a lot of different models that can happen. So there's a community garden near us that they buy just a five gallon bucket of the Bokashi flakes from us. And several of the households around them compost their food waste and they're processing it in their community garden. Okay. And so it's, you know, they're just, we're making the flakes, they're they're doing all that work, which is great. I mean, it's, you know, the footprint's tiny. So we love that. We, you know, we would just love to see all of San Antonio's food waste being processed and going straight back into growing more food in San Antonio.
0: Right. So, well, what I like about, I mean, San Antonio seems like it's heading towards like a, another kind of Austin in that, ethos at least Um, and I you know I'm from Fort Worth originally and I think I only went to San Antonio once or twice growing up so I never spent a lot of time there until we moved to Houston and I've definitely spent we've been a few more times since then but I was kind of surprised at just how I guess kind of progressive it is uh, at least the areas I've seen so I don't know maybe maybe that's where it's headed. I don't know how yeah. do you feel about
1: that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because um, I'm have i from South Texas, but I moved here in the early 90s when I was in junior high. So I've really seen massive change in San Antonio. I would say just in like the past 10 years, even it's um, and it's around a lot of things. The local food community is has exploded, um, which I'm a foodie. So I yeah <laughs> super love that. Um, but also something I kind of was seeing through farmers markets and whatnot, but now once I got into this business and have become more involved in the scene, the local urban agriculture scene is incredible here. I mean, we've, you know, there's the local food policy council, which I'm a part of now. And they've done things like make it to where you can have, I think, up to eight chickens instead of three in your yard. And they're, um, Working with the city right now, they got funding for a healthy corner store initiative in the south part of San, in one of the council districts on the south side. So they're going to, you know, get produce into corner stores where people didn't have access, where you know, in food deserts. Right. And we're going to get to work with them. So what's left over is going back, you know, to grow more food. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think San Antonio has always been actually quietly progressive maybe they're not moving real fast but things are happening you know they're bubbling beneath the surface and it surface and it's coming up and I think um I don't know it's just really exciting to yeah to be yeah. a part of it <laughs> that's
0: awesome that's good yeah do you have any like interesting stories or hurdles or things that have happened in the last couple of years you'd like to share
1: oh man um I mean, I'm, I think we learned something th- that we didn't even know we didn't know all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just, you know, I get to, I'm trying to think of something that like, I feel like I've talked about all this sort of like, <laughs> Yeah. No, that's I mean, it's all been sort of like interesting and Um, a hurdle I think well we so we recently had our first like 32 gallon trash bin full of food waste like dumped out and stolen which we thought for sure nobody's gonna want you know to mess with that (laughs) (laughs) so we're just learning you know we got to put things behind fences and gates and you know whatnot but um You know, they clearly needed that then more than we did. So (laughs) (laughs) They must have Um, been desperate. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think we just learned so much. I think I didn't realize getting into this, you know, that I would start to see waste everywhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not just
1: food waste. And so now, you know, you just can't stop thinking about ways to address it. And then I have sort of learned about the circular economy through this. I didn't really know what that was before. And, you know, I've gotten now to participate in conversations and meetings with people from Europe that are working on the circular economy, finding ways, you know, in Marseille, France, they're collecting coffee grounds and growing gourmet mushrooms underground with them, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, right, there's just so much out there that it's, you know, I, I I don't know. I love it. It's never-ending learning. Awesome.
0: <laughs> right, right. The next question I had was, uh, I think you recently posted how many pay- pounds of waste you guys diverted last year. What was that number? And I guess, how is that? What do you pre- expect for this year?
1: So actually, I sat down because I'm trying now. In the early days, our data record keeping was not great. We just didn't, you know... So we've had to do a lot of guesstimating, and I would say we're probably um, underestimating how much we've done. Um, But I actually just did the math for what we estimate through today, (laughs) and that's 175,936 pounds. Wow. So almost 88 tons. Um, Oh, my goodness into about two years. So, yeah. And, yeah. It's kind of (laughs) mind-blowing. Some of that, like, we have some sort of, like, anomalies in there. We had a partnership with um, this local, like, food distribution company last year that they've moved to Austin. So, you know, we'll see. And they were, like, huge numbers for us because they were big barrels of just produce. Right. But – but we're but the interest is growing and honestly, we're at this strange point where some of the interest we've gotten, we can't work with because it's so big. I right. mean, there's just like so much food waste. Right. So we've had to say no to some people, but we're trying always to figure out how to get there. So um, right now, we're really just, you know, want to solidify working with the smaller restaurants and... We've got architecture firms and banks and all kinds of different businesses contacting us. Um, so how to really make that solid so that when it's time for us to scale up, right. we've got it, you know? Right. So it's it's really hard balance of like, yes, let's do this and wait, we've got to do it right, you know? <laughs> right. So constantly checking ourselves on that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess maybe the last thing would be any tips or advice or resources for people who, you know, want to get into composting, you know, at home or maybe they want to start their own similar kind of (laughs) thing as you did in another city, anything that you would tell people?
1: So I think if you want to compost at home, there is most likely a community resource for you that is giving workshops on composting. So I would go to one of them and talk to somebody there yeah, talk to somebody who's done it and try it. Um, composting is more of an art than a science. So chances are it'll go awry at some point. But it's, <laughs> you can usually bring back a compost pile, you know,
0: right. that's gone
1: bad at some point. So just be patient with yourself and with the process. Um, obviously, not everybody can compost. So if you don't have the space or the time or the energy or whatever um, – You can talk, again, go to community gardens. They may accept it. Um, But community composting businesses like ours are growing rapidly. So you can usually find them online if, you know, you haven't heard of one in your community. And then if you want to start a business like ours, (laughs) um, there is a uh, actually rapidly growing number of resources. There's a book that I'm going to forget the name of right now, but it's about community compost systems Um, there are at least two conferences every year the institute for oh I'm going to forget what it is it's ILSR.org so it's about like self being self-reliant and they have a whole section on composting so um, I think I think everybody should try it one way or the one way or the other of what's accessible to them right right and
0: well I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing all that because it's very inspiring I mean just you know two people who found something interesting and just kind of went for it and you guys are I think gonna make a big dent in San Antonio uh on that front
1: thank you we hope so